1: Hello there, listener. It's Ryan. I'm recording this secretly before Justin comes in. It's because we've started a new betting show and he isn't part of it, so I don't want him to get upset. It's me, a championship expert, and I'm joined by betting expert Jimmy the Punt. Every Thursday, we each give you three tips for the weekend's championship games. So search Second Tier Betting wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as always, please gamble responsibly. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Middlesbrough Aidan Flint to the Cardiff Aidan Flint. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you doing, dear boy?
2: Yeah, I'm very, very good. Almost as happy as an Aidan Flint going for a golden boot.
1: Well, he's the (laughs) odds-on favourite right now, isn't he? He's absolutely flying. We'll get onto that a bit later on because on the show this week is another... Of our new signings, Johnny Gascoigne from the Sheffield United YouTube channel, the Shoreham View. Gaza, how's it going?
0: It was going up, it was going all right up until about 3 pm yesterday, and then everything seemed to go a bit
1: downhill. But apart from that, I'm grand, mate. How are you all? Superb, thank you. you Absolutely superb. Also with us is Ian Robertson from We Are Luton Town. Ian, how are you doing?
3: I'll echo Johnny's sentiment there. I was good until 3 (laughs) pm yesterday.
1: Yeah, we've got a very rare occasion here where a Derby fan is the happiest supporter on the pod. And that has not happened in a very, very long time. But welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're going to run through all the games in the championship from the past weekend, talk about some of the news from the past few days as well, and then we'll finish off with a Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight right at the end. So Sheffield United having a bit of a rotten start to the season. They lost again. This time to Huddersfield, who beat them 2-1. Billy Sharp equalised in the 92nd minute and then Levi Colwell scored the winner just a couple of minutes later. Johnny, we'll talk about the start to the season in a sec, but looking at the game, did you feel hard done by with this result? It's one of the
0: strangest games I've ever been to in my life. It's a game where we've absolutely batted a team from start to finish and never looked like scoring. And then, we, and then we continue to batter him all through the pitch and come away with zero points. It's, it's just typical Sheffield United. It's, it's what we've been used to. It's like last season never finished, really. It's starting to get to the stage now where we're kind of thinking, how long do we leave it as it is? Uh, I'm not speaking about management. I'm speaking about the, the way we're lining up this, this new style of play we're trying to do. When we went to last season's tactics, we looked absolutely amazing, albeit we couldn't put ball it back in net to save his lives.
1: But the build-up play were good, at least. Yeah, I was gonna say, what's the reason for this crap start to the season? Can you narrow it down to one thing in particular, the formation?
0: I, I don't want to go full out and blame the formation just yet. I I have got my doubts about it. I've got my reservations. I think we look better with the old lineup. A lot of people are saying to me, Slav's a slow starter. All well and good. Great. But at least show some intent on the pitch. We we've got players on there that I love to pieces. I said it in my in my preview video. There's players on there I love to pieces, but it's getting to the stage now where I don't want to see them in a United shirt ever again because they're going to ruin their own legacy. They took us on an amazing journey and now it's coming to an end. Some of them are ageing, we've got key players still missing and we've spent big money on certain players that I'm not as fond of and they're just not producing. So it's, it's a nice mixture
1: of turbulence and not quite getting the squad right. Yeah, you mentioned players who were good, not so good anymore. Are you willing to name any names? Uh, John Fleck and
0: Ollie Norwood, I think they've brought some doppelgangers in because that's not the same Fleck and Ollie uh, Norwood I remember. I seem to to remember them playing attacking balls left, right and centre, picking out pings and now it's just, I don't know what it is. I'm trying to keep it PG friendly because I could go on a tirade all day about it, but (laughs) I think Jimmy Fleck instead of John Fleck isn't working. I think we need to bring John Fleck back. Um, Ollie Norwood... I think he just needs some time up bench, get his thoughts back. Ever since COVID and he grew that silly air, it seems to have gone to his head. He just needs to go back to his skinhead. I, I, I just think that this player is coming towards the end of the time. We can't rely on Billy Sharp at what is in our 54. They keep balling back at net. We, we need the
1: people we've invested money in to start playing football. And I'm guessing when you're talking about the players who have cost a lot of money, you're looking at the likes of Brewster, Berger, McBurney.
0: <laughs> On Berger, I think yesterday he was best player on pitch by far from both teams. Regardless at score, best player on pitch. It does need to be a bit more physical, but he's never had a full season in England. And that, at first, he went Premier League, not as physical as its moments, but not as physical. And then to be injured for most of the season and then come straight into Championship, he's got to get used to that physicality. And I do think that's one thing he needs to work on. But he were blowing out of his rear end at 75 minutes on. So, to be the best player and then be knackered after 75 minutes, you need, to, you need to give a bit more. I've still got hope for him. McBurney, put all it back at net, mate. Yeah, he had an amazing overhead kick yesterday. We thought, this is it. This is a big bit. No, no, it's made a save. No, that's it. It's typical. And then after that, just little silly flick ons and not winning an editor in box for somebody who's what, eight foot four. It's not good enough, really. Brewster, I, I can't remember him playing until he got subbed off. So, something needs to click, something needs to change, in soon. And, I don't subscribe to this, that a player is dictated on ability by his price tag. But saying that, when you've paid that amount of
1: investment money, you need a return. Yeah, absolutely. Just in two wins in two for Huddersfield. Is there a reason to be encouraged for the Terriers?
2: I think so. I think there's still room for improvement. As you say, as Johnny was saying, Sheffield United were the better side. To be expected with the quality they have, and obviously being at Bramall Lane. Um, But... You know, this game showed a lot of character, a lot of heart, a lot of desire. There's some good link-up play. The ball from Sorba Thomas to Krymer for the for the first goal was quite good. And, and yeah, showed a lot of, lot of heart and desire from Huddersfield. So it's certainly something to build on. They can improve uh, and they will improve.
1: Yeah, Johnny, the Blades have got just over a week left of the transfer window. Is there a need to bring in bodies considering how things have gone so far? Yeah,
0: definitely. I think, obviously, with Ramsdale going, look, I weren't his biggest fan to start off with, but he did come good towards the end. We need to bring in a new keeper. Wes did have a good game yesterday, made a good save, but I don't think he's a number one going forward, especially for a team that's, I say, second bottom front league chasing promotion. But th- th- there is <laughs> there is a, a need to... I don't want to say go out by strikers, because we've done that. Look how it's turned out. We need to invest in some midfielders. We had one come in, Ronaldo Vieira, or if, he failed the medical, so that's that's kind of stuffed us. But I, I do think the board needs to be a bit more savvy and help Slav out, because unless we bring in some players, we're going to be back to square one, where we're relying on the same core group of
1: players that have, I want to say, run the course. There was one of those results in the Championship this weekend where you had to do a bit of a double-take. luton nil, Birmingham 5. Birmingham have had a promising start to the season, but this really came out of nowhere. Ian, can you provide any explanation as to what was going on here? Was it some sort of dodgy lasagna at the Luton training ground or was there a kind of space jam situation where football was used to suck all the talent out of the Luton players and now Glenn Rear has got to team up with Bugs Bunny to win it back? Something along those lines?
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, unfortunately, I wasn't there my way with family on holiday, but uh, I watched the game and uh, it's funny you say about double take because every time I took a double take, they'd scored again. So it was a a really... um, Obtuse game really for us because obviously we've started the season well apart from the first half at West Brom. Um, and we saw shades of that yesterday that we just can't head the ball, we can't defend set pieces. Um, that's seven seven goals now we've conceded from set pieces, and it's just an absolute nightmare. We've got Sonny Bradley out at the moment. Um, it's okay, you know, making excuses from that, but we just didn't turn up yesterday. It's as simple as that. Um, we look flat from the off. Um, we could have maybe turned it round after half time, but then they scored an early goal and that was pretty much that. Can't say it was all flattened because it was they they played really well, especially Chong in the middle of the park for Birmingham was was exceptional, really.
1: Yeah. Well it's quite funny because one of the reasons I got you on was to talk about Luton's good start to the season and then this going happens. So if you're able to, can you rewind your mind back by twenty four hours and tell us how promising a start to the season it's been?
3: Yeah, well, I th- we'd started, we've started really, really well and we've started with a few styles. Um, you know, with Peterborough, we we went and showed our flair a bit, passed the ball on the floor, very intricate play, passing out from the back. Barnsley, we, you know, very much the opposite. It was long ball and defend for our lives, pretty much what Barnsley did last year. So they, it was really good to see how much we, we can switch up our play and have a few different plans in the bank. But with the, with the uh, set pieces we just not defended very well in them two games. We we showed real desire and we were pretty much all over West Brom in the second half of that mm-hmm. game. If it had gone on five or 10 minutes longer, we could have had points there too. Um, so it shows we can compete. I think we just got to kind of not discount yesterday because you want to learn from the lessons that that, that were, were shown yesterday, but um we we can't, you know, it's just one result and we can't really show a mark until we get to about 10 games in. The signs are there. We've got some really good t- new signings. Um, hopefully we can uh, have a better result next Saturday.
1: Yeah, Justin will get battered if we don't talk about how good Birmingham were. So please tell us how good Birmingham were.
2: Well, Ian's covered a fair bit of it, but they, they were really good. They exploited Luton's weaknesses um, at set pieces, obviously without having Bradley there to to head everything away. You're going to be exploited. Six foot four, Mark Roberts ghosting it at the front post, almost unchallenged. In a way, was 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 a pretty bad marker for Lewin. And, and Birmingham were almost savage to an extent. They just they just took charge and, and went for it. It's their biggest away win in almost ten years as well, which is a bit of a testament. And they they were really good. They they attacked well. The, the passages of play were pretty good. Um, you know, Ivan Sunich looks like he looked like the player that they paid seven and a half million pounds for. Um so individually they they were really good as well. Um and, and Chong, uh, as Ian said, he, he was he was ridiculous. I think he pretty much made it might have been the third goal or the second goal where he's burst through his pace is taken away from the Luton defenders. He gets fouled by um by one of the the, the Luton players and Hogan sweeps in to 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 put it in. It was a really complete performance, and you know, if Birmingham create as many chances as they did in this game, then they can't be a very good outfit. It's just creating that many chances and putting them away. For, that's been the problem for Birmingham City in the past.
1: Yeah, Dave tweeted us asking if Chong is the answer, what is the question? <laughs> and I'd I'd say the question is, what is that big ball of hair doing on the pitch? And why is it the best player? Um finally in the same question I asked Johnny to you, transfer window. Do you need anyone or are you quite happy with the way the squad is?
3: Um, we, we need another midfielder. We're a bit light in the middle of the park. Um, Jones just said as much. Um, so I think we definitely need a midfielder. And dependent on, you know, what the situation is with Sonny, whether we need a a short term loan or a six month loan or something that that can suit and can fill some gaps for a little while, because what we have at the moment don't answer the question. Glenn Ray didn't answer those questions on Saturday. Um, He's, Jones is really against taking loans on board, and and that's fair enough. But we do need to plug some gaps for a little bit because you know if people are throwing balls into our box, we just stay dealing with them. So, um, but definitely a midfielder long term, and a short term fix in defence maybe.
1: Johnny, Ian, thank you for your time To so now. We'll come back to you both later to play Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight in the meantime. Me and Justin are going to take you on a trip around the grounds, listener. And we'll begin at the Coventry Building Society Arena where Matt Godden scored a 98th minute winner for Coventry as they beat Reading 2-1. Jerry Crone is from Coventry's Knee Lamptey podcast. And what drama at the CBS Arena, Jerry?
4: Uh, yeah, it was good. And I, the, the surprise in my voice is... Um deliberate there because I really wasn't expecting it to be but that's been in keeping with the season so far we have flipped up on ourselves from last season generally speaking which is that last season is that I felt reasonably sure that we could have a go at keeping a clean sheet we wasn't really sure where the goals would come from whereas now we look like we can concede at any time and it's now the third game out of four where we've either had a very, very, very late goal or a very late penalty, which admittedly we missed. But that yeah, overall, really good.
1: Yeah, we had commentary to go down in our pre-season predictions. You said you'd be happy to stay up this season. So where has this good start come from?
4: So we've got to be careful not to get ahead of ourselves because there's only four league games. But there's a number of different things. I, I think felt and possibly even still feel like we had still gone backwards from last season what I hadn't accounted for is how badly every other team in the division seems to have gone backwards from last season and we seem to have not gone as far back as some of the others um, and I think if you look at Stoke who were one place ahead of us, there's only a handful of teams possibly Luton who don't seem to have, you know, who are in the Championship last season who haven't taken something of a backward step for one reason or another um, so there's that Secondly, there's a noticeable improvement in some of the players that we had last season who we felt were subpar. And I guess that would be um, Jamie Allen, who's come into the team this season, who I would have thought would have been one of the first people that would have been out the door, but has had a really big impact. And Ben Sheaf, who we signed on loan last season from Arsenal. Nobody really wanted back, but has been really good so far this season. And then Victor Jokeres, who has been didn't make any mark at all at Swansea last season. Got a little bit better on his loan at the tail end of it last season for us. But this season has been brilliant. Really, really, really impressive.
1: Yeah, and Jokarez, Gajorquez, however you say his name, um, he has been fantastic. He didn't get on the
4: score sheet yesterday, but got an assist. But overall, he looks just a completely different player. Tell us what kind of player he is. So what's funny about Jokarez last season is if you'd have asked me to say what sort of player is he? I think the simple answer would have been, I don't know. Whereas the way that he's been this season is actually the answer is every type of player. So we've been able to sort of um, successfully play him up front on his own, but he has by turns been able to hold the ball up well, beat players, shoot from range. Um, head the ball really really well he just seems capable of everything but the main thing that i think marks him out is that uh, especially against blackpool where i thought he was terribly impressive is you could give him the ball ideally to his feet but in an area where he doesn't seem to be troubling anybody would not with even not particularly players around him but his use of the ball is then fashioning something. He's either dribbling into space and making use of it or he's finding a teammate who threw a really good pass. Just overall, he's that absolutely crucial player who you can have up front and make something out of nothing.
1: Cheers, Jerry. Mark asks, Will Coventry win all their home matches deep into injury time this season? What do you think, Justin? If they play like they do, I don't think they will because they'll
2: just put teams away earlier. In the game, the amount of chances they created in this one against Reading was was pretty baffling. I don't know how they how they left it so late, but they've got players to come in like Matt Godden. That was his first game of the season. He's put away a very good opportunity. Um, so no, I don't I don't think they'll win all their games um, at home in deep into
1: injury because I think they'll put teams away earlier on in games. You'd hope they would, wouldn't they? Because they were brilliant here. It was actually a very one sided game. Really? So the fact that they've had to rely on the 98th minute uh, winner would be a bit disappointing, really, from a Mark Robbins perspective. But hopefully this isn't a continuing pattern. And as you say, they can put away teams earlier. We were just talking to Jerry about Victor Galliocres. He was class. He got an assist here. He's looking really good so far this season for Kov. And they're now fourth with nine points. They're one of only four teams to win three of their first four games, Justin. And the early signs... Are very promising, aren't they? I think that the main thing is they haven't had a bad performance. I think that defeat to Barnsley,
2: they were very, very good, and and um, they should have won the game. And that's that's the that's going to be the key thing for Coventry throughout the season. Potentially, is can they put away the minor chances that they create? If they do, then they can sustain form and and potentially finish in the top half. But it's when things start to go go a bit wobbly for them. Um, you know, if, if, if the crowd starts to get on your back, if you start to miss five or ten chances and then the crowd starts to turn a little bit, then you know it might get a little bit edgy in games. But certainly, if they maintain this form going forwards, so then I don't see why they can't aim high this season.
1: Well, they're definitely confounding our expectations of them finishing in the relegation zone this season, aren't they? Let's hope that continues over the course of the season. One side who may be a bit concerned at the moment, Justin, are Reading. They're sitting 18th with just the three points onto their belts. They're one to keep an eye on, I'd say. And that's for all the wrong reasons. Would you agree with that?
2: Maybe. Um, I still think there's too much quality in their team, but it's games like this. But then again, Coventry were very, very good, so it's quite a hard variable to, to analyse in that sense. But they have had games where they've played well um, so far, so I don't think it's it's too bad. I just think the things that they did well last season, they did they did well, re- really well last season. They aren't doing too well this season. They can't absorb pressure like they, they, they were able to last season. They had to obviously sustained quite a lot here against Coventry. Didn't do it very well, and ultimately it gave in in the last in the last sort of, well minute of the game, ninety eighth minute or whatever it was, when Matt Gordon put it away. Um, so, as I say, that that counter attacking style they played did well, uh, did really well last season. Isn't quite there yet. I just think it's going to take a little bit of time to get used to these new wide players because it's going to yeah they've they've had a a, a bit of a transition in the summer.
1: Well, they've lost three of their four games, and all those games have been against sides who we had to finish in the bottom half of the table so I'd say it is a bit concerned. the big concern is how poor they look defensively they look an absolute shadow of the side that we saw at the start of last season and I'm not really sure why they look Mm. so poor defensively they keep making clumsy mistakes they've lost Omar Richards who is obviously a very talented player a hard player to replace but the rest of the back four and those two holding midfielders is pretty much the same So why have they suddenly gone to this side who are looking very leaky at the back? I I can't get my head around it. I'm not going to get carried away just yet because, as we say, it is just four games into the season. But it's not an ideal start for Reading at all. And I'm hoping that they'll turn it around soon. They need to be a hell of a lot better at the back if they are going to improve, I can tell you that. Blackpool came from two goals down away at Bournemouth to draw 2-2. It's only their second point of the season so far. Tom Main is from the Seasiders podcast and what a result for the pool, Tom.
5: Yeah, fantastic result in the end being, uh, you know, 2-0 down at half-time to two, you know, half-decent Dominic Solanke goals but frustrating defensive errors that could have been cleared and was frustrating but all in all we played okay you know it was it wasn't too bad we were creating chances and and keeping the ball well but being 2-0 down was, was was a bit frustrating so to come out in the second half and get that goal um great to see James Husband score uh you know after the last two games of not scoring and, and, and two defeats it was it was decent to see us get that goal and then to go out and attack straight after that first goal to win the penalty you know get that point to take home with us um and credit to Maxwell again for for
1: making a fantastic save towards the end of the game to keep it a 2-2 yeah, I thought this performance was a lot better from Blackpool um, from compared to what we've seen earlier this season. As you're probably aware, I haven't been too impressed with Blackpool thus far. Um, what have you made of the start to the season?
5: I think we might have underestimated in terms of our recruitment or just generally not recruited well enough um, to see us be competitive throughout the season. So this, this last week in the transfer window is absolutely vital. Um Bristol City was, you know, a last grasp equaliser. Um, we we'll t- we'll take that on the opening day, the next two games are frustrating. Um, Coventry, we should have scored two or three, um, maybe even four, but we should have conceded defensively. We were quite poor. Um, and that's putting it nicely. Um, so we need to buck our ideas up. I think playing Richard Keir at centre-back was a huge error in judgement. Um, the signing has been atrocious. And yesterday we made those changes and we, we certainly looked a lot more assured um, And, you know, I think if we make those changes with Kevin Stewart coming back, we could start being a lot more competitive with us creating chances. I think the goals will come. We just need to be better defensively and bulk up that
1: midfield. Yeah, and Tom, from what you've seen so far, are you still encouraged about Blackpool's chances of staying up this season?
5: We need to sign much better in this last week um, or at least get a few sort of loans in to, to bolster up the squad and give us that experience to to be able to cope with the physicality um, and make us much more assured um, through the middle of the park and defensively. I think with the changes we've made at the back, um, we've got Gretison to come back. Marv's played yesterday, he played an outstanding match. I think we're looking a lot more solid at centre-back. We actually sign a right-back. Um, Connolly fits into that centre-back mould and we can go to three at the back. Or even when we play 4-4-2, we'll certainly have a lot more quality in that position. So hopefully we will stop conceding as many goals. And I don't think we have any issues on the attack, really. We'll score enough to win games or to, to pick up points. Um, but we just need that strength in depth. Um, and to sign better, but I'm very much hopeful of us still staying up. I think the points will start coming once we learn a bit more about the league and Critchley starts to,
1: to to work out exactly what he wants to do for the season ahead. Cheers, Tom. Scott Parker, I think he'll be questioning how his side didn't win this, Justin. And I'll tell you how he didn't win this. James' husband, that's how. <laughs> that,
2: that that tackle on Solanke when Solanke's bearing down on goal was... A game changer, wasn't it? And obviously, James Husband scored. But as you say, you know, you come up against a Blackpool team who haven't started too well this season, um, and you expect them to do a lot better. But Bournemouth, there was echoes of um, Scott Parker's side when he was in charge of Fulham in that Championship season, where they were really quite boring. There was one pass too many at times. I think the lack of depth is showing a little bit in this game because I think Blackpool really kicked on in, in, in the second half. The press was really good from Blackpool in the second half and that put that put Bournemouth under a lot of pressure. I don't think Bournemouth wanna be in possession of the ball too much, to be honest with you. I think they're much more comfortable without it when they're pressing. Um, so teams that don't have the ball, they've got a they've got a new game plan to put together because it was really poor in that second half.
1: Yeah, that chance that you mentioned where Solanke was tackled by husband, I'm not really sure what he's doing because he's slowed up, hasn't he? And he he, he, he for some reason, thinks he's got all the time in the world, when that just wasn't the case. And that gate, that goal—if he took that away, that would put the game to bed, wouldn't it? Absolutely, so, absolutely. So, so he's bottled it in a way, really. But class <laughs> defending by husbands, but then Bournemouth's defending at the back was really clumsy in the end. They brought in Gary Cahill, who's obviously a, an, an experienced player, ex-England international, and they need him to come in as soon as possible and be match fit. I think because. The, long, the young lad at the back, Rossi, he's looked good at times, but it's those, it's those moments there where he's really let his side down and yeah. he's got to take his chance when he gets him. And now that they've got an experienced player like Cahill coming in, I'm not sure he will be continuing in the lineup for much longer. Uh, but yeah, good result for Blackpool. Uh, full credit for them getting back to, into the game against a good side.
2: Uh, absolutely, and as I say, there were there were key moments in the game that swung in Blackpool's favour. That tackle by Husband was one of the best you'll see. Wins the ball so cleanly, and, and at that point, you just you just feel the game start to swing. It, it riles up the Blackpool team, um, and then they. I know the Bournemouth defending was was a lot to be desired at times. Husband getting a three. Free chance really to put the ball in the back and then from a set piece and then obviously the penalty, um, it allowed Blackpool into game. But they forced Bournemouth into those mistakes um, and that's down to that that pressing in the in the second half and it's that's really the the benchmark for where performances need to be for Blackpool over the next few weeks. If they perform like that, they'll pick up results definitely.
1: Yeah, and this will feel like a, a win for Blackpool, but they could do with getting three points on the board soon because at the moment they've only got the two and they need to start catching up with uh, the rest of the teams at the bottom of the table. Aidan Flint scored twice again as Cardiff beat Millwall 3-1 and maintained their unbeaten start to the season. Tom Phillips is from the Cardiff podcast, View from the Ninian. Tom, how was this game?
6: Yeah, fantastic result. I think it turned out as expected. First half was a bit dull, a bit boring. We didn't really get going. And then second half, we really came to life and as now expected. Um, set pieces, long throw-ins causing absolute carnage. Obviously, Aidan Flint, top scorer in the league. Um, I'm sure everyone expected that before the season started. Um, it's just becoming inevitable now. As soon as we're up the field, there's a an air of excitement because we think we're going to score because one of our centre-backs is going to get ahead and we've got Kiefer Moore. So, yeah, it's a fantastic result again. Yeah, Aidan Flint's story is quite remarkable from this year
1: alone, really, isn't it? Because, he's gone from a bit of an outcast at Cardiff to now
6: being one of the most important players, hasn't he? He's one of the first names on the team sheet now. And if you'd asked Cardiff fans last season, who you would sell uh, from the club, he'd be one of the first to go. Um, it's an unbelievable transformation. Um, that partnership he's got at the back with Morrison, you know, we've got the likes of Curtis Nelson as well. We are solid. We don't look like conceded many goals. We, we, we've conceded a couple of silly ones against Peterborough this year, but you know that we're going to get better as the season goes on. And yeah, he's, absolutely key to anything that we're doing at the moment and it's great to see because you know he looked lost uh, at times and when he went to Sheffield Wednesday on loan it just really didn't work out and it looked like he was just kind of fizzling out but he's he's been unbelievable so far and long may it continue. Yeah and after this start to
1: the season Tom I'm guessing you're feeling slightly more confident about finishing in the playoffs?
6: 100% I think it's been a fantastic start I think If you took some of the results as isolated results, you may have looked at it and said Barnsley draw at home is a bit disappointing, but you know, as as a block of results being unbeaten at the moment, and you're seeing the likes of, you know, Nottingham Forest, how much they're struggling, Sheffield United can't really get going, you know, it's a fantastic way to start the season, and momentum's there now, there's a belief amongst the players, you can see that, there's a belief amongst the fans that probably wasn't there before the season started. And you know, players that we probably weren't that sure of, you know, players coming in like Ryan Giles, who look good in preseason, but you didn't know. He's fantastic. He's probably the best cross of the ball we've seen at the club since Whittenham or Kumas. Um, unbelievable. And we seem to be unearthing young talent as well. And it's it seems to all be clicking at the moment. You know, a win next week against Bristol City in the early kickoff, and we go top. So I think any Cardiff fan would have bitten your hand off at the beginning of the season if you'd said after that amount of games we'd be up there fighting for it. So yeah, there's a there's a quiet confidence that we'd be in around the playoffs come end of the season. Thank you, Tommy Boy. Gonzo
1: asks, Can Cardiff get promoted scoring only headers? And why do you and why do you think the answer is yes? Cardiff and yeah. balls into the box, it's a beautiful combination. It's like Sausage and Mash, Torvald and Dean, <laughs> The Undertaker and Kane. It just goes together so well, doesn't it?
2: It's funny you mentioned Undertaker and Kane because they're the type of physical profile you want in your team, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> for, for Cardiff, anyway, it's so it's so strange how all their goals so far have been headed goals. I say strange. It's not strange because they possess that quality, don't they? In their in the side, but. Aiden Flint, top goal scorer this season. Move over, Rob Dickey, We're we're now on Aiden Flint podcasts. We're, we're fickle over here, aren't we? It's incredible. You got a you t- got a perfect ten on who scored as well,
1: Aiden Flint, which is absolutely balmy,
2: unprecedented.
1: It's ridiculous. Well, he's now top scorer in the league, which is just yeah. beautiful That's- to see. You've got the likes of <laughs> Mitrovic, Callum Robinson lagging behind Aiden bloody Flint. Uh, Sean Morrison. He got on the score sheet as well, celebrated by twerking, which is. A sight which strangely brought me a lot of joy. I thoroughly encourage that in future games. Ryan Giles has got four assists now. He's had a cracking start for Cardiff, hasn't he? But Cardiff as a whole, they were very good here. Certainly good value for the win. And they've looked quite good in every game so far this season. It's just results not necessarily going their way. However, they are unbeaten.
2: They've quietly gone about their business, haven't they? And uh, as well as that... (laughs) I know they scored all of their goals from headers, but that tells me that they've still got a lot of gears to go through. Um, being that they've got players who are very good with the ball at their feet. Kiefer Moore's very good with the ball at his feet. We've seen Ryan, Ryan Giles um, with his creativity. They've got Murphy. They've got good players going forward who haven't yet had the opportunity to really start to um, express themselves. And, and I think once they start to do that, they're going to be a pretty feared outfit. Because as I say, Stressful times when that ball goes out for a thrown or a corner because you're just thinking
1: you're not going to get to it first, are you it, yeah. there's going to be a there's going to be a chance here well as a opposition defender you've got to keep in mind you 've got Morrison Flint, and Moore keeping those three on a leash in just individually is a mm. nightmare because they're some of the best at winning the ball in the air in the league and uh, I mean Keith Moore's not even in top form yet is he he's still getting back to match yeah. fitness so when he yeah. gets hits the ground running Cardiff are a team to fear and and strangely you'd have thought Millwall would be the perfect team to defend against Cardiff set pieces because that's what they're good at but it clearly wasn't the case here
2: yeah quite strange the defender was really poor wasn't it from from set pieces I mean we've got to give Cardiff a lot of credit for putting the ball in the box but it should be bread and butter for some of the Millwall defenders Murray Wallace Jake Cooper they're, these are good players um, Bierkowski as well. I think it was the, the Morrison goal. He just stood still. It was quite 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 strange. Really, and they they looked a, a real really fragile from from set of pieces. It's it's not a good sign. And you know, I'm starting to feel that uh, rap might be under a bit of pressure for, for for Millwall because I know I know fans are starting to turn a little bit on social media. Not 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 massively, but they should be doing better. They should be doing a lot better. And as I say, the set piece defending was a lot to be desired.
1: It's definitely been a mixed start to the season, hasn't it? And I tell you what, we were praising Cardiff for the result, but it could have been a hell of a lot different had Scott Malone tucked away a massive chance Mm. at 2-2. It's a golden opportunity and he's hit the crossbar. So that could have made the world a difference. Belek Frobe got on the the score sheet again as well, which is always nice to see. QPR came from two goals down to draw 2-2 with Barnsley. It means Rangers are still unbeaten this season, while Barnsley are slap-bang in the middle of the table. Carlo van der Walthering is from the Barnsley podcast retro report. I'll stop saying that now.
7: What did you make of the game, Carlo? I suppose any Barnsley fan would have taken a point uh, before going down to QPR. However, being 2-0 up at half-time with a perfectly executed game plan meant that um, QPR changed uh, personnel and formation. Um, I think it was 30 minutes into the first half, and then the second half, I think everything we did well in the first half just didn't work. We, we had no plan B to counter what QPR were doing to us. So, you know, 45 minutes 2 0 up to finish the game 2 2. Yes, it's a point, but it feels like a loss. Um, the high press again worked for us. Key people, Romal Palmer, Josh Benson in midfield. And they were then replaced with two people that normally play at centre back. So, yeah, uh, lots to learn from this one. Yeah, what are your early instincts from the Marcus
1: Shop era in terms of his style of play and how good a coach he actually is compared to Valerie
7: and Ishmael? That's yeah, really interesting. That I think any coach, you know, any head coach, you, you need to give at least sort of you know eight, ten matches. Um, I think it's ended in a couple of ways. Uh, we signed two Belgian lads. Um, and initially the story was that they weren't match fit. It now appears that um they're waiting on a visa, although they have signed. So mm, that's that's a bit awkward. Uh Morris out injured is never great, but you know, he he came back from a, a terrible display against Luton on Tuesday night with a far better display and some of the best football I've seen um in the first half yesterday. However, that that, that lack of being tactically able to influence the match when you could see QPR were getting on top. I suppose that is a little bit worrying, isn't it? Because that's what Val- Valerian Ismail did so well. Yes, he had five substitutes he could use. I and mean, when you looked at the bench yesterday, maybe it was a little bit um, sort of on the thin side. But to replace the two people that pull the strings, um, listen, I'm, I'm not worried yet. I'm sure he'll do okay. But yeah, eyes are on him, I suppose.
1: Yeah, but that's interesting, Carlo. And Barnsley are now sat 13th mid-table, slap bang in there. Uh, One win, one loss, two draws. From what you've seen so far, is there any reason to think that our pre-season expectations that both us and you had about a mid-table finish, is there any reason why that would change?
7: Uh, no, absolutely not. Um, I, I wanted Barnsley, if you want to consolidate, I think last season was a, a almost a one-off season where all the stars aligned. This season, mid-table. Um, I think you know, when you, when you look at the, the loss at, at Luton, it was the performance more than anything, you know, to go to go down 1-0, I think, in the third minute or so. And just nothing worked in the atmosphere. And I think the hype of being able to go back, that was the first match under the lights, maybe put some more pressure on and, and wanting them to do better. But Luton always been a really awkward side. Um, No, mid-table is fine. And, you know, we're not going to go on the runs that Valerian is moment on. You know, we've lost some uh, staff, we've lost players. From what I've seen... You know, if we keep playing like this, then there is no reason to worry. It's the performance sometimes, isn't it? That you, you, know, you, you just, the, especially against Luton, you just want to do better. It's little silly mistakes, people not covering each other. But overall, you know, he has got a lot to live up to. But I don't think any Barnsley fan expects him to improve on what we did last season. It's all about consolidating our championship status. And this season, the minimum requirement, I suppose, from the board would be a mid-table finish. Thank you, Carlo. Yeah, it was the cliche game of two
1: halves, wasn't it, really? I tell you what, QPR's defending was awful for those two goals. In fairness, they are using their backup wingbacks, and I use the word backup sparingly because George Thomas was one of those wingbacks. He's a centre mid, really. It was a bit of a mess in that way. But uh, yeah, Mark Warburton won't be very happy with how they defended those goals, will he?
2: The defending was really bad. I think you, I think it was the um, it might have been the first goal where Kai Kai is three or four yards deeper than the rest of the back line. It was it was really really poor, and I'm not surprised that Warburton changed things up on the 35 minute mark because they they needed to to react. And um, I mean, Barnsley played some of the best football I've I've seen over the past sort of seven or eight months. They were really really good going forward in that final third, and it should have been three or four nil, but. QPR's defending helped that a lot um, I know we had I know they had backup wing backs in there but the back three were still very very poor and I know Device was nursing an injury but still you do expect better from the likes of Dicky Device and, and Barbet it was, it was really poor
1: Yeah Square Prank Genre asks Is this Elias Chairs World and Will just living in it?
2: Quite possibly, quite possibly the 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 assist and the goal were ridiculous. It's I mean, the, the goal,
1: the goal in particular, Justin was just remarkable. I mean, that is a hell of a finish <laughs> to get there in the first place is impressive, but mm. that finish is just fantastic. Brad Collins had to make a really good save for Barnsley as well, so could have gone either way. This game uh, quite entertaining actually for a lunchtime game in the Championship. It was. Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll talk about wins for Fulham and West Brom as per usual, and Stoke becoming the new Barcelona. Welcome back to the second tier podcast. We'll talk about table toppers Fulham and West Brom in a sec because. There's only one other team keeping pace with them at the moment, Justin. And that's Stoke. He beat Forest 1-0. Harry asks, Why are Stoke the best footballing team in the world? Stoke Hub says, Why are Stoke so good? Justin, I'd like to propose a motion, if that's all right with you. When Mm. we discuss Stoke now, can we refer to them as Sexy Stoke? And I say that because the goal here is surely a contender for goal of the season. As team goals go... It is just a thing of beauty. I could watch it non-stop all day, but this isn't something that's happened overnight. Because some of the football they've been playing this season has been wonderful. And they've still got the tag of, you know, wet and windy, cold Tuesday night in Stoke, long balls, long throws. And they'll probably still have that tag for quite some time. But it's not really accurate anymore, is it? Because Michael O'Neill has turned them into sexy Stoke. And most importantly, they're sexy. While also getting results,
2: you've you've made us you've made some very really valid points actually. I'm quite impressed with your uh, your argument. Okay. That was almost lawyer esque. It was <laughs> it was great. You've got you've got a future there, Ryan. If you if you keep that consistency going, and uh, you're quite right The some of the goals have been great. I it it reminded me a little. I mean, it was much better than the the winner against Reading on the opening day, but. The, there was the, a lot of link-up play. There was a dummy uh, and a good finish as well uh, with that Sam Surridge winning. It was the same here with with Josh Tyming. Um It was such such a good goal, such a good team goal. You know, everyone has to go and watch it because it was. I've not goal audibly audibly um, by myself for a, for a, for a long time. It's it's been a while, so it was nice to get the uh, get goal gasm out of the way. Um, don't know where that's going. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm speechless about the goal it's great <laughs> but you,
1: to be fair you probably haven't goal much because you're a Derby fan but we'll, we'll exactly. that <laughs> <there>. <laughs> and Finlay asks are Stoke a nailed-on top six finish after this start what do you think? It's a, it's a really good it's a really good question
2: they've got squad death I mean Romain is coming in on loan is such a good signing I think one that's been quite underrated by by Stoke fans. I know West Brom fans laid into them a little bit on social media, but at Championship level, Romaine Soy is, delivers so much control in the game, and that's going to add something completely different to this Stoke team. Uh, and hopefully, we get more sexy goals because it adds a little bit of composure in the in the team. So, absolutely, uh, I think I don't think nailed on. I don't think anybody's nailed on, but they're going to compete with the top six for sure.
1: Well, this start is definitely giving a lot of credence to the idea of them finishing the top six this season. And I'm also all for sexy goals. Their true metal is going to be really tested this next weekend, just because they've got Fulham. And uh, as we all know, Fulham are looking very, very good at the moment. So if Stoke are going to be a nailed on, air quotes there, top six sides, then this is a game where they've got to get a result. Forrest didn't have a shot on target in this game. And... They were quite frankly abysmal, and I feel as if that's being generous. It was a dumpster fire of a performance, Justin. It only increases the pressure on Chris Houghton and Justin. You had the chance to get some feedback from Forest fans <laughs> on your opinion that uh, she, that Hewton should stick around. Has your mind changed at all?
2: I I, I understand where Forest fans are coming from entirely. To to not have a shot on target is abysmal, as you say. So that front three, Carvalho, Myton, and... uh, Who was the third one? Uh, Zinconagel. It's such a good front three. Um, I say front three. It's such a good attacking three, creative three. And to not create anything was just really, really poor. So it's hard to come up for an argument with him. I mean, he's a really good guy. He's a very good manager at this level, as we know. Um, But the excuses are running. pretty slim he should be doing a little I say a little bit more they should be getting shots off creating chances and they're not doing that and I don't know what that is I mean the players are to blame as well but I think the argument comes from uh, things don't improve overnight by just sacking Hewitt because the problems have been there with Sabri Lamushi before Sabri Lamushi. they've been there for a while so it's not just a case of changing manager and they get, and
1: it gets better yeah, I, well, I think you're spot on. I, I'm unsure whether Hewton should be sacked, really, because I was hearing what you were saying last week about <coughs> whether it would actually make things better. I'm not necessarily sure it will, because Chris Hewton is a very good football manager, especially at championship level. He's one of the best championship managers there's been since it was mm. rebranded all those years ago. And he hasn't become a bad manager overnight. And we saw what happened with Savio Lemushi uh, at the end of his tenure. And I'm starting to just get the feeling that there's something wrong with Nottingham Forest as a football club. And because we've got a good squad of players here. It's a very good squad of players and should be challenging for the playoffs. That may very well happen eventually. But I'm looking at things right now. And when you've got this good squad of players and you've got a very good championship manager and it's not working and it's going as badly as it is, there's got to be something that runs deeper. I don't know what it is. Only the people at the club will be able to tell you what it is. We just won't know until a later date, I suppose. But it's not going to change by sacking Chris Houghton ultimately. Um, just to add insult to injury, all the trains from Stoke to Nottingham were cancelled after this game. Oh my god,
2: shit! That's bad. Like so, you have to, <laughs> you have to sit through that for ninety minutes, and then you can't get home. Wow. Oh man, I, I feel really bad for Forests. That's <laughs> crap.
1: <laughs> and it's only it could possibly just get worse, Justin, because they've only got the small matter of an away trip to Derby County next weekend. Funny how this has all turned on its head, because yeah. if you said that to Derby fans at the start of the season, five games in, you'd be playing Forest. And I think it would have been a bit of a vice versa situation, but there we go. We were just speaking of one of the goals of the season. Alex Mauer has chipped in with a contribution of his own after a splendid volley from the edge of the box that helped West Brom beat Blackburn 2-1. I've got a quick question for you, Justin. Remember when we had that whole disagreement last season about that Fraser Campbell volley, which was Mm. nominated for goal of the season? You said it was a lot better than I thought it was. Which goal do you think is better, this one or Fraser Campbell's?
2: Oh, this one, miles ahead.
1: Okay, okay, just checking, just checking. Will asks, is Alex Maurit the greatest midfielder to ever play football? (laughs) Joe is a bit more measured and messaged us asking, is Marriott one of the top five players in the championship? What do you think?
2: To answer the first question, I think John Eustace will have something to say about it. Um, and the, the second question, top five, easily. Uh, I think I've even wrote my notes: is is Alex Maw the the best central midfielder in the league? I think there's arguing for it. Absolutely, he's he's such an all-round player. his all-round game, brilliant to score that goal in the first minute. I mean, who who has the audacity to do that? It's it's ridiculous. The the confidence in his ability to to pull that off is, is great because normally first minute you're still a bit bit rusty, you know, you're not really got into the game at all, uh, and you pull that off. It was just an exquisite exquisite goal. Such a good volley and uh, such such a good player.
1: Yeah, you say best centre midfield in the league. I think there's an argument to say best player in the league. I'm not nailing it down and saying that's the case, but I think there's definitely an argument for it. It's hard, obviously, comparing centre-halves and centre-midfielders and strikers and centre-midfielders, but he's right up there, isn't he? Because, as you say, that left foot is just a wand. It's one of the best left foots, if not the best left foot in the division. And even if it was just his left foot alone, he'd still be in the top. 25 players in the league, I think, maybe even top 10. But it's just the rest of his game as well, what he contributes defensively, his vision, his intelligence, being in the right place at the right time. He can just do it all and I'm still shocked that West Brom managed to get a hold of him and that's no disrespect to West Brom because he's a Premier League player he should be playing in mm. the Premier League and the way things are going it looks like he's destined to be in the Premier League with West Brom because they are absolutely flying at the moment we should probably actually talk about the game itself because West Brom were very good very very good this scoreline is very generous to Blackburn because they could have lost this by about three goals but Ben Brarrit and Diaz got on the score sheet again Vamos. Fulham are sitting top of the table after beating Hull 2-0. Very comfortable for Marco Silva's boys.
2: Yeah, very convincing win. Job was done in the first half. I think the only criticism you can say is get a third, really kill the game off because Hull have got the ability in their side to to get goals. Um, but they, they were kept at arm's length all the way through the game. It was a very good, comfortable, composed performance. Um, the passages of play were really good at times. Um, but as I said, I think the only the only way you can criticise Fulham in this game is just to really put the game to bed. Don't let it be 2-0 for too long because we saw Millwall potentially get back into the game in, in midweek. Very, very good and they've got some very good individuals. Fabio Carvalho is is a gem, isn't he? At uh, 18, 19 years old, he's, the composure he's got is, 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 is madness. It's, it's fantastic and he's come from nowhere. It's a really good really good story. Yeah, really good win for Fulham. There's not much else to say about them. It was a comfortable 2-0 comfortable win.
1: Well, yeah, Hull had some early chances, but then after Fulham scored, that was pretty much it. Hull were a bit like, well, what's the point? We're not going to get anything now. Uh, So that's a bit disappointing from their aspect, but Fulham, they just oozed class and uh, continue to ooze class and I don't see that ooze ending anytime soon it's no. just in full flow really as you say Fabio, Fabio Carvalho I think it's getting to the point where we might need to check his birth certificate because <laughs> for an 18 year old to be this good is just astonishing and Jean-Michel Serry in the middle of the park for Fulham is just different gravy there's a reason why this guy was being linked with Barcelona a few seasons ago Because in the handful of games he's played so far, it's just become abundantly clear that he's a ridiculously good player at Championship level. And uh, Fulham aren't going to lose many midfield battles with him on the pitch. The pressure on Preston manager Frankie McAvoy has somewhat eased after they got their first points of the season, beating Peterborough 1-0. Patrick Bower got the goal on the return from a nasty injury. Him coming back is a massive boost for them, isn't it?
2: Well, he, he was... A different class in this in this Preston side um, against, against Peterborough. He was last season. He was, his numbers that he was posting were brilliant. You know, and a free transfer from Charlton is a, a steal, and an, it wasn't until he got injured. But it really, Preston did miss him. Um, but you know, he, he put tackles in. He headed everything. He made a massive difference coming into this side. They look a lot better as a back three with him in there. Um, they offer a lot more going forward. I think because. I mean, they don't have any real number nines that are going to grab goals. So having those wing backs as a different uh, source of supply really helped them. Um, and yeah, they, they they were quite disciplined. They kept um at, at arm's length. They didn't really offer too much in, in return. It was a a, a good win for, for for Preston and one to build on because, again, this is a, a, a platform for, for them to build on.
1: Well, Syriki Dembele missed a massive chance at the start of the second half. But apart from that, Peterborough, they weren't great. They really weren't <coughs> great at all. But Preston will be hoping this is a turn in their fortunes. On Friday night, it was Bristol City nil, Swansea 1. Joel Piro scoring after playing a 1-2 off the post. Expertly done. Never seen showboating like that before. But Bristol City had chances. I would say they've been worryingly wasteful so far this season. Would you agree with that? It definitely,
2: I think one of the improvements they have, and I've mentioned it in, in in the past couple of episodes we've done, they have started to create a lot more chances. But they've got to start putting them away. Um, that's the that's the main improvement from last season because they they were terrible going forwards. Now they look okay, pretty decent going forwards. They have to improve going forwards because they, and create more because they're not putting them away enough. Um, I'm not convinced by Naki Wells and Chris Martin to consistently score goals, but if they can grab five, ten each. Andy if can grab five or ten each. They've just had to be a bit more disciplined in 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 defence because Joel Pyro to play one two off the post um, un uh, what's it oh, yeah unchallenged un, unchallenged it was um, it was really really poor um, to be honest. But yeah, they're definitely definitely improvement. Um, it's just frustrating that it's coming in a defeat.
1: Yeah. Well, if if they're creating chances consistently, then I won't be that worried because those chances will eventually start going in the back of the net and results will ultimately follow. It's just a bit weird how wasteful they are because Naki Wells sure isn't necessarily the same player that we've seen in the past in the Championship. But he did get 10 goals last season. And I've seen reports today that Bristol City are looking to get rid. That's all well and good. But who else are you going to play up front? You've got Chris Martin, but he only got two last season. Then after that, you're scraping the bowel a bit for other strikers, aren't you? So unless they've got Mm -hmm. someone else coming in, I find it a bit weird that they're willing to let Wells go, considering they are so wasteful. But it's something to work on, definitely. Final point on this game, this camera angle at Ashton Gate, it needs to be sorted out, I'm afraid. (laughs) It is so high, it's like being filmed on a drone. I... There aren't many things I absolutely despise in football, but this camera angle is right up there, Justin. <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to write a letter of complaint to whoever's in charge at Ashton Gate nowadays. And finally, Derby v. Middlesbrough ended goalless. A shame, really, because we both went to this game and both teams seemed fairly happy with the point in the end, didn't they?
2: It was a very, it was a watchable no-no. It was quite entertaining, but it was a good result for for Wayne Rooney and Derby and um, Neil Warnock. Probably a little bit more disappointed because. I think they, they could have done a lot more, but as as far as Neil Neil was go, it was it was pretty decent. It wasn't a ball fest uh, like Summer.
1: It was a bit um, combative at time, wasn't it? Uh, both it was teams. very
2: very very industrial.
1: Well, Phil Elkard <laughs> basically got a people's elbow to the face, and the referee didn't yeah. do anything about it, which was remarkable. Right now, it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news, mainly made up of transfer news, Justin, and some of these we've actually spoken about already, so I think we might just fly through these. Sheffield United have sold Aaron Ramsdale to Arsenal in a deal which could come to £30 million. Brazilian striker Rodrigo Muniz has now officially joined Fulham. I'm just not going to say anything. I don't want to upset Fulham fans any quite. further. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stoke of signed Romain soyers on loan from West Brom. You spoke about that earlier. You're a massive fan. Gary Cahill has gone to Bournemouth on a free after being released by Crystal Palace. 35 now, getting on a bit, but experienced ex-England international. Seems to look like a good move. Junior Hoylet has gone to Reading after being let go by Cardiff. Considering what we were saying earlier, Justin, about Reading's lack of creativity from out wide, Hoylet seems like a good move. He's, a,
2: he's got a good record at Championship level. Um, probably hasn't hit the heights because he was, he was great for Cardiff in their promotion season under Warnock. If they can get him anywhere near that level, uh, Reading, if they can get him anywhere near that level, they'll have a very good player. But it helps to have experience in that side
1: because that's something that they lack going forwards, definitely. Absolutely. In a move that completely passed me by, Janino G- Bakuna has left Huddersfield to go to Rangers. Fair enough. According, yeah, according to the Daily Mail... Several EFL clubs have banned parents from watching matches at their training grounds to avoid a COVID-19 outbreak hitting their oh. senior teams. What, what, what were you expecting me to say there?
2: Football parents are dicks. I thought that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take think it would be a COVID take team. Take that, football yeah.
1: parents. And uh, finally, Baker6mania tweeted us saying, I just want to let you guys know you're followed in Romania, which is nice, isn't it? Just we're going international. Yeah. Yeah,
2: we had uh, a very good following in, I think it was like Singapore once. Um, we got some good mm. feedback from there. so We've got yeah, quite a few listeners sounds. in
1: America. I know that because obviously you have people moving over to America who just try to keep track of what's going on in the championship. So that's understandable. It's the, the random ones like, I think we had quite a few listeners in the United Arab Emirates. Well, I suppose that's mm. probably a similar case to America. But yeah, Romania, why not? hello to all we'll our romanian listeners um justin it's time for the polls this is the part of the show where we give our listeners three questions on twitter for them to give a bit of input on uh, the general debates in the championship firstly where does alex marat rank in terms of the best players in the championship <laughs> top one top five top 10 top 25 what are you saying Justin? top top five i don't think top one's quite out there i'd go top five just to be fair I'll to say, everybody else I'd agree, top five, but I think there's definitely an argument for top one. Uh, 10% of people said top one, 26% said top five, 39% said top ten, 25% said top 25. Those 25 quite a high number. 25%, yeah, they need their ads checking. Uh, who's going to win the Golden Boot this season, Rob Dickey or Aidan Flint?
2: <laughs> mm, that's a hard one because Rob Dickey scores with his feet. Um, if anyone's going to get close, it might be Aiden Flint. They create a lot of chances from their
1: pieces. said Aidan Flint, 37% said Rob Dickey. I mean, as you say, Aidan Flint got double figures one season for Bristol City. Yeah, he did. He scored a hat trick in a game. Yeah, as the way things are going, I don't think you can rule it out. And finally, have you ever twerked before? Yes or no? Justin, you ever twerked before? I
2: I haven't. I don't have the bum for it. Um, I wish I did. It seems very enjoyable. I think it's quite a good exercise as well for your hips.
1: Yeah, I think it's good for your abs, isn't it? Because uh, a lot of uh, ab movement there. I've had a go at twerking before. Not very good at it. But, um, you know, God loves a trier. 69% of people said no. 31% said yes. I think everyone should at least twerk once in their life. Just give it a go. Yeah. It's, it's quite hard to do, actually. Fair play mm. to anyone who actually can twerk. Uh, right, now it's time for this.
7: Hi, Simon Grayson. Edge.
1: So this is Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Welcome back to the show, Johnny from the Shoreham View and Ian from We Are Luton Town. So I'm going to ask the boys here to name eight of a certain subject. And all they've got to do is work together to name all eight. So, for example, if I would say name the eight clubs nearest geographically to Bournemouth and Johnny would say Bristol City, that's one down. And Ian would say Luton, uh, that's another down. But if Justin would say Middlesbrough. Then he'd be out. So what you need to do, chaps, is give me all eight answers without all of you being eliminated. Quick question. Johnny, Billy Sharp, Sheffield United legend? Oh, of course. Get a statue built. Get, get council to get the money out. Stick it, in the, <laughs> uh, stick it in the flipping car park. Well, that's good to know because it's a Billy Sharp-themed question this oh, week. We Billy Sharp has played for eight different clubs in his career. Can you name all eight? Ian is shaking his head already. Um, I'll say this right now. If you get all of these, it will go down in hateful eight history because I'll be impressed if you get six. Two of them are very hard. Um, Well, we'll start off with you then, Johnny. Can you name me a club that Billy Sharp has represented? Uh, Dirty Leeds. Yeah, he was there for a season. Didn't go too well, but nonetheless, he was there for a season. Uh, Ian? I do not know the history of Billy Sharp. It was Forrest one. It was. You say you don't know, but that is absolutely correct. He was there for a season and did all right, to be fair. I completely forgot he was there. Uh, Justin. Had a very forgetful spell at riding as well. He did. He was there for 10 games. Um, So, yeah, going all right at the moment. Johnny. If I say a wrong one, is everybody out or just me? Just you. Rushton and Diamonds. Yeah. He was That's there so cool. got a lone spell, and I tell you what, that was the one I was not expecting you to get. So there <laughs> we go. I may be uh, confounded here. Uh, well, this is a took a turn very suddenly. Ian,
3: uh, it's just an inkling, but Bradford City.
1: No, 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 incorrect. Unfortunately, I mean, he played for a lot of clubs in Yorkshire, but you've managed to pick one that he didn't play for. So, looking, <laughs> okay. Ian, you're out. You've got four remaining. Justin,
2: he had a, a tasty partnership with andy keogh at scunthorpe united
1: he did he was there for three loan spells uh well three spells two of were on loan i should say but yeah very good at doncaster so you've got three remaining one of them's very obvious um johnny uh southampton yes he was there after moving for 1.8 million pounds and it was a bit of a disaster really two left two of you still in i'm liking your chances at the moment boys justin
2: you managed to give it away then subtly, as I said, Scunthorpe. You said Doncaster. <laughs> did I? You did. Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> if you had, if you hadn't done that, I'd have
0: given that one anyway. Because he always scored against us for Doncaster, anyway, so. <laughs> Yeah,
2: it was quality at Doncaster.
1: You, you'd have got that anyway, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll make yeah, you feel a bit say. better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As long as you say that, then it's absolutely fine. Because he got fifty-six goals in two seasons, so it it wasn't an absolute disaster. There's one club left. I mean, it's um, a tricky one, lads. Johnny, w- I can't Have think, think about it.
0: it. Can't think of him for naming me.
1: I can't. I can't think. Is it it's Sheffield United? By any it is Sheffield United. You're absolutely right. And I tell you what, that Washington Diamond shout is remarkable in itself. But the rest of it. Very well done. Ian, man Matt of match there. How do you feel?
3: <laughs> Badly. Uh, <laughs> uh, you have so many in your head, but Billy Sharp's just not one of those for me.
0: That's one of the few clubs that Billy Sharp's yet to sign for, but he will
1: go there eventually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But once his deal finally ends at
3: uh, Sheffield <laughs> yeah.
1: United, he fancies knocking on for a bit longer. Bradford, nailed on. Put your money nailed on it. One. Right, chaps. It's been a fantastic showing on Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. That's two times Simon Grayson has been beaten this season. So at the moment, it's 2-1 to the experts and one to uh, Simon Grayson so far. So very well done. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. It's been another fantastic weekend of Championship action. Thank you to our guests on the show this week. Johnny Gascoigne from the Sheffield United YouTube channel, The Shoreham View. Thank you for your time. Not a problem. Thanks for having me, lads. Ian Robertson from We Are Luton Town. Thank you for your time. Cheers, guys. I'll let you carry on with your holiday. Where are you by the way?
3: I'm in Winchester just outside uh, Southampton actually.
1: Lovely part of the world. Lovely part of the world. Well enjoy yeah, Winchester. Nice. Just you enjoy Derby and uh, we'll be back again <laughs> on Thursday for another preview of the championship games coming up next weekend. This has been the Second Tier podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. <laughs>